What is going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 144 of the Adult Education Podcast. Today, I am speaking with dietitian and nutritionist Nicole Dandrea Russert. Thanks for checking out my show. I just love the fact that you're sharing some of your day with me. If it's your first time listening to the Adult Education Podcast, welcome to the family. I love to have you. I'd also appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show so you're updated for all future episodes and feel free to reach out and connect with me. The best way to do that is through Instagram. We are at Adult Education Podcast. If you've been listening to this show for a while, then you may know that it all started back in 2020 as I was taking my own personal health journey And I wanted to learn more about, I mean, well, everything, honestly. Things have shifted here and there with my guests, but I love when I can dive back into a health conversation. I was really excited about this one because I've been following today's guest on Instagram for a long time now. This week, I'm speaking with dietitian and nutritionist Nicole D'Andrea Russert. You may know her better as her social media personality, Purely Planted. Now, Nicole has focused on eating a plant-based diet for the last 10 years herself, and she's seen the results in her own health as well as with those that she works with. And look, I'm no expert on anything other than maybe the music catalog of Jimmy Eat World, but that's besides the point. I'm never going to tell you that you need to do something or you need to eat something. I'm never going to say that it's the only way. But I will say that over the last four years of this show, I've had a lot of conversations with doctors and registered specialists, and the health impacts of eating more plants or having a plant-based diet are clear. Eating your vegetables is a very good idea. Nicole recently published a book titled The Vegan Athlete's Nutrition Handbook, The Essential Guide for Plant-Based Performance. I'll be honest, when I first saw, for some reason, I thought I said The Vegan Athlete's Nutrition Cookbook. So I was expecting a cookbook when I first opened this up. Uh, This book does have some recipes and some meal plans in it, but it's much more informational, which I loved. Nicole dives deeper into topics that we don't hear a lot about in general health classes or conversations with our doctors, things like the importance of certain things like magnesium, for example. I have some vegan cookbooks, and they're great for meal inspiration, but having the explanation for why these things are so important was just uh, awesome for me. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nicole D'Andrea Russert. Hi. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, it it is a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I got an email about your book a couple of months ago, I think it was. And when I was looking through all the quotes that people were giving for your book, I saw Dotsie Bausch on there. And if Dotsie is going to vouch for something, then I'm all in. Oh, (laughs) oh my gosh. She's like at my heart. I love her. She's such an inspiration. So when she, yeah, provided a quote and testimonial, I was like, this is bad. I mean, yeah, I just appreciate it. And she's just, I mean, such a great advocate for plant-based eating and a great example for what plant-based eating can do for people. So yeah, it's, it's a huge honor to have her be a part of the book. I'm going to work her back into the conversation in a minute, but before we get too deep into this, I, I do just want to, I want to learn more about you and who you are and how you found yourself on this journey. Yeah. Well, you know, I was an athlete. Gosh, I'm, I should say, I should probably say I'm still an athlete because I really advocate for this book to be for everybody, no matter how you classify yourself as an athlete, you can be a gardener and you're, if you're moving your body in any way, shape or form, this is for you. Um, I'm a, I'm more of a yogi now, but about 20 years ago, I was a triathlete. I was running, I still run, but running, biking, um, swimming was not my first sport. So that took a minute for me not to like swim like a seahorse and actually get proficient, you know, efficient in the water. Um, but running and biking, I just thrived on the two of them. And it was really after a series of injuries, my background is in nutrition and I was traditionally trained 
um, to have meat and dairy. I mean, I went to school years ago. I was in school in the 90s. So it was like the four fruit food groups back then. It was like, you know, meat, dairy, vegetables. And then you bought some fruit. Um, so I ate like that. I had a side of broccoli. And of course, I loaded up on potatoes and pasta because that fueled my running and my cycling. But I really wasn't focusing on fiber and antioxidants for the recovery. And I was tight all the time. I was getting injured. I'm like, I felt like I was eating healthy, but um, I really felt like I wasn't making any, any progress in my gains and like the time and the speed and, um, and I was having setbacks. So it was just through a series of injuries and then actually coming to the yoga mat, um, which helped help me to pause and really evaluate what I'm doing and looking more into plant-based eating and realizing the nutrient abundance and all of the research that's behind plants that fuels exercise, everything around exercise from fueling the actual exercise to recovery, to decreasing inflammation, to getting better sleep. I mean, there's so much and it's all related. You know, it's not just one thing, but all of these things can affect affecting mental health and focus. So there's so much around plant-based eating um, that I really wasn't uh, I just was really just focused on the macronutrients, the carbohydrates. And when I learned all of the research behind plants, I was just blown away. I was like, how, how are they not teaching this in our, in our traditional program? Like we should all, every dietitian should be advocating for a plant-based diet and it's nutritionally complete. You know, initially, um, when I was, you know, uncovering the research around plants, I'm like, okay, this sounds great but can I get everything that I need? Cause there's the argument, you know, maybe you're not getting enough protein. Of course, that's the number one sure. question people ask. Um, but then there's B12 and omega threes. And yes, some things may need to be supplemented. It depends on the individual. It depends on what you're getting in fortified foods, but um, all in all, yes, absolutely. Like, you know, diving further in the, into the research, I was like, is this a sound diet for me? It's a sound diet for my clients. It, it would be the most ethical and moral way to go. Like this is what I feel is the right way to go from a human health and environmental health perspective. So yeah, once I realized that I was all in and my only regret was just that I didn't do it sooner for sure. both myself and clients. I feel like for a lot of people, the introduction, I don't want to say the introduction to a plant-based diet because look, they've been around for a long time. We've all heard the phrase vegan and plant-based before, but I feel like that movie, The Game Changers, really opened a lot of people's eyes to things, that film that we ended up on Netflix. And even myself, I mean, I, I would not say that I'm a pillar of physical health and that I know everything about the right things to put inside your body, but I feel like I've followed along with things over the years to try to understand what's the right thing to do. And even that, it was like really eye-opening to see all of these incredible athletes um, that were doing wonderful things without meat. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, in that film uh, said something like, we're always taught about meat. He's like, but where do the cows and everything get all of the nutrients? They get it from the plants. Like, we're just eating it through that. So it's pretty wild to think that it took something like that to get people, a few more people to get on board, I think. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, movies like that, Forks Over Knives, I think wherever people are in their journey, wherever you are as an individual and whatever speaks to you, um, I feel like there's an answer in plants, <laughs> you know, whether it's athletics or prevention of heart disease, if it's mental health, like there, there's just so many facets of plant-based eating that can um, really benefit overall physical and mental health. But Game Changers, like you said, it was a big one. That's a one that I've heard 
um, influence a lot of people just to bring more awareness. Yeah. And for some, you know, it's, it, it's fine if it's, you know, you don't go plant, you all plant based overnight. That's hard, actually. It's very difficult. For me, it wasn't that way either. It was gradual. Um, but just simply raising awareness to add more plant based foods to your plate, because now you understand some of the benefits you see it in the athletes, and they're a great example. And then there's research to support that. So. Yeah, I love Game Changers for that reason alone. All right, so this is where I want to circle back to Dotsie for a second because th there is a question coming here, but I want to tell you my brief story of how I got to know her. I work at a radio station in Baltimore, and her group, Switch for Good, was doing these radio advertisements in select markets around the country, and they reached out to our station. I, at the time, was plant-based, and I had given up dairy, and I was kind of going on this journey. So I thought, this is perfect for me. I definitely want to help spread the message for Switch for good. I got to interview Dotsie and talk to her. I, w I started getting death threats over the fact that I was talking about how milk wasn't great for you and how you should switch to something else. People were so militant about it. And it got kind of scary for a little bit uh, about how intense people got. And I guess this is where the question comes in. I don't really understand. I can understand a farmer, right? Like I understand a dairy farmer. I can understand a cattle farmer, why they would be passionate about what they do and passionate about people continuing to drink milk, continuing to eat meat. I don't understand the everyday person that gets so tied into, well, you got to have meat or you're doing it wrong. And they get so mad about it. And I don't understand that mentality. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I know it. Oh gosh, I'm sorry you had that experience. And okay. it, it, it saddens me that there's such, it's such a polarizing topic. I feel like, um, like we can just have a conversation about this. Like what are the pros and cons? And yeah, there are some pros like dairy provides protein and calcium, but can you get that through plant-based foods? Yes, you can get plenty of that. So like just having a civil conversation around the pros and the cons, but also the reality of what happens in factory farms, which is where like 99% of our food is coming from. So, you know, the anger, I don't know. I mean, I used to eat meat and consume dairy and I didn't know what be, what, how, I never really linked what was on my plate and what I was drinking to how it got there until I saw the videos behind the scenes videos. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I supporting? So I, I wonder if there's like, an awareness of like, I'm, so, you know, where the anger is fueled, you know, they, people don't want to know, right. <laughs> you know, it was a convenience. There's a, also what we're all trained. It's no one's fault. You know, we've been trained to think dairy is where you get your calcium meat is where you get your protein. And this is just really so much marketing behind it. And just so much that we don't know. I mean, even me being in the field of nutrition is what I've done for over 30 years. And it's, it's taken me a long time to get to realize that, yes, you can sustain on a plant-based diet. Um, so I, I'm not blaming anybody for that, but I do think that like, as we uncover some of the truth, the reality of what, how our food gets to our plates, it does bring up some emotions. Mm. And for me, I was angry. I was just angry at what I was supporting. I was angry at myself. You know, I, you have a lot of emotions behind that. No one wants to support cruelty. And, you know, especially with animals they are innocent, they're not, they're just doing their thing. And, um, and then to also uncover the potential health implications of dairy, when you think this is like such a solid nutritional support system, like this is what I've been doing my whole life. Milk is good for your bones. And it's a great um, way to fuel your, any kind of athletic training that you're doing. So, you know, it may 
work for some people. Maybe they don't experience issues that come with dairy inflammation or skin issues and that sort of thing. And, but the reality is like, there's plenty of research to support that it's not better for the environment and then it's not better for animal welfare. So I think just uncovering some of those truths definitely raises some emotions. And I, in an ideal world, if we could just sit back and take a breath and say, okay, this is what's happening. Let's talk about it. What can we all do individually and collectively as a society to support a better food system that's better for people and the planet? Um, but I think until we get there, some of those emotions need to arise and we need to work through them. That's where like in my book and, uh, and in a lot of the education that I do, I really do try to meet people where they are yeah. as I realize that we're all coming from different places. And if dairy is all you've known or eating meat is all you've known, then let's just work on like, you know, keep doing that for right now, but let's just work some plants into mm -hmm. your diet. And eventually maybe some of that meat will go, maybe you'll cut back. Maybe you do half mushrooms and half beef as a beef, pie. you know, like work, just work some plants in there and still do what you're doing and see how you feel. Notice how you feel. And what are your goals? You know, is it um, for health? Is it for longevity or to fuel your um, cycling, you know, whatever it might be like just noticing some of those changes and maybe you'll start to introduce more plants to your plate. So yeah, I think just kind of building that recognition is important and meeting people where they are. That's what I like about your work. And even before you just said that, you had mentioned something about how there's a transition that can go into it, right? Like you, if you've only ever had meat and dairy for your life and you're going to try to do more plant-based stuff, well, there's a transition that comes with that. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be an easy thing necessarily. And I, I think that's a, something that's always good to hammer home to people because I, I know the thought process is, all right, tomorrow I'm giving up all meat and that's it. But like your body it's going to crave some things. I mean, I'll give myself as an example. I'm trying to do a lot better in this new year and trying to eat better. I've been eating more plants. And even today, I had all plant-based stuff here today so far, right? Yes, all plant-based stuff today. And all I can think about right now is that my daughter has a half-eaten bag of Cheetos on top of the fridge that it's the only thing that's running through my brain. And I've eaten a really, I've eaten a lot of food today. It's all been good food, but that is the one thing that's going through my brain. And it takes time for your body and your brain and everything to kind of work through some of those cravings as you make those changes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm a big believer in the 85, 15 or 90, 10, you know, whatever percentage it is, but like majority of the time, if you're consuming whole and, you know, mostly unprocessed or like, you know, minimally processed foods, mm -hmm. um, a healthy diet that is fueling your energy, whatever that looks like for you. And occasionally you want a little treat then you know, you, that's okay. And your body gets used to, um, once you, once you like intuitively know what fuels your body and what makes you run your best, like physically and mentally, what helps you sleep well, what helps you, um, achieve your energy levels throughout the day and what makes you feel your best. Then when you start to consume like the Cheetos or whatever it might be, a chocolate chip cookie, like for me, it's a chocolate chip cookie. I'm like oh, craving a chocolate chip cookie. And, you know, I don't do it daily. And once I have it, I'm, I'm happy, but I also don't want it again. You know, like, I feel like you used to eating well for your body and then you allow yourself, like not having all those restrictions, but just allowing yourself to have a little bit and, you, and that's enough to satisfy and you don't feel mentally drained from fighting like should I have it I can't have it but you have a little bit and then your body tells you like you know 
it doesn't make me feel fantastic when right. I have a chocolate cookie, but I'm, my taste buds are happy for the moment. And, you know, during the holidays, we just got out of the holidays. So again, same thing, like mentality, I, I really advocate for like, have a cookie, like maybe have a fiber rich plant-based meal before you get to the party and you feel really good and energized. That helps you with, connect with others and you just feel well during the party and you also have a cookie and that's okay. You know, you just enjoy yourself, but also get back to like, get back on track to what, you know, fuels your body best. I, I use this example a lot whenever I'm talking about food. And uh, when I gave up dairy a few years back, um, I had always had, I've always had asthma my entire life, but there was a point where right before I gave it up where like I was using my rescue inhaler a couple times a day, which is not what you're supposed to be using it as it was too much. I gave up dairy and within a couple of weeks, I stopped using my inhaler altogether. And then I would go and have like, I, I love ice cream. What can I say? I love ice cream. So I, I went and had a bowl of ice cream one day and I felt terrible afterwards, like had to use the inhaler, like everything, like my whole body just like shut down. And I was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I never realized that it was something like dairy. I mean, ice cream has excessive sugar in it too, but like, I didn't realize that it was a lot of things surrounding this dairy that was causing that. And I wish I'd had a doctor or somebody in my life that maybe would have brought that up before, but it's just not part of what we talk about in those settings. No, that's a great example though. Just, uh, you know, it affects you in a way that you naturally you're like, I don't want to feel that way. Again. Right. So I'm going to do that again. Um, or maybe you just have less next thing you know, you have a taste and you just have less. So, or, and eventually, you know, for some, some people don't have those cravings at all and they just continue to eat really well and whatever fuel. And that's fine for them too. But I think, um, just recognizing what makes you feel really good and what fuels you and doing that on a daily basis. I think that's what keeps you going throughout the day, you know, and it makes you continue to make better food choices for yourself. Um, but yeah, that's, that's amazing though, to hear that you had that, um, experience from giving up dairy with your asthma. I mean, that's a really good example of how it can, you don't realize it sometimes, you know, yeah. a lot of don't realize that, you think you're dependent on this inhaler for life. And then until you make a change, you're like, wow, I actually didn't need that inhaler. There was a dairy that was causing the inflammation and making you need the inhaler. So yeah, to make that shift and see the outcome of that is huge for you. Well, uh, Nicole, this book, um, when I first picked it up, I thought for whatever reason, I don't know why I thought this, but my initial thought was this is going to be a great cookbook and there are some recipes in here, but it is so much more than that. In fact, it's like 25% cookbook and 75% information and knowledge. And, and I, but I love that. And I, I love that because I think you dive into, you dive into a lot of things that, yeah, you might find in like a super thick, like really dense book about health, right? Like, um, but this really lays it out in a way that I think a lot of people can understand very easily. Thank you. Yeah, I think, um, I know there are recipes included. And I, to me, some folks go into it thinking it's going to be a cookbook. And I definitely make that distinction. Because to me, when I see a cookbook, I'm like, I want photos, like beautiful, colorful photos and um, all of the detailed instructions and chef's notes. And um, it's it's definitely the, the recipes in here are meant to be supportive yeah. and give you guidance and um, just more cohesive with the book. So that, you know, everything that I talk about, then you've got a recipe that can support recovery and fueling your workout but definitely more informational. And thank you for saying that. I, I, I went into this because there's, there's so much, so much research around all of the key nutrients that I highlight and some of the nutrients, you know, as you're going more plant 
forward or all plant-based, like there are definitely some key nutrients just to be aware of whether you're looking to get them in fortified foods or if you need to supplement them and what they do. I didn't want it to be like a 500 page book. I wanted it to be accessible to people as well. I'm like, God, I could really go down a rabbit hole here. But um, yeah, I think each chapter, I, I was pleased with the way it turned out in the book format because after you look at like a Word document for so long, I'm like, is this all going to run together? Is it too much? Um, but the chapters I think are laid out, like, you know, you have a chapter on magnesium and mm -hmm. calcium and bone health, but they're just a few pages and there's bold prints. So like some of the key points really jump out at you and it's meant just to be accessible. So if you are concerned about bone health, or if you are concerned about how to get better sleep so that you can recover more quickly, you can just flip to that chapter. You don't have to read this from front to back. You can just really have this book on your shelf and go to any chapter for whatever period of your life you need it or whatever, whatever that particular topic is. I'm glad you mentioned 500 pages because I had just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Michael Greger and he's got his new book, How Not to Age. It's it's a fantastic book, but I'm holding it right now. It's like 600 pages long. And yeah. I remember having a conversation with him about it being like, so do you expect someone to read this from front to back? And he's like, no, I want you to find the chapters you need when you need them and look at them for the information. But I think that's what's great about your book too, is you really just, you give us the points that we need and you do break it out that way. And I think you talk about things that are not always talked about. I mean, fiber is a big hot topic right now. We're hearing a lot more about fiber from people, and that's great news. Calcium, we talked about dairy. Calcium has always been talked about as far as dairy goes. So now we can find out some new ways to get calcium in our bodies that don't involve animals. But you talked about magnesium. That's not something that anyone ever talks about. Like, I started taking a magnesium uh, supplement because I wasn't sleeping great, and my doctor was like, try magnesium. That's probably your lack of that is probably having an impact on that. And I've been sleeping better than I have in however long that I can remember. But magnesium is not something that people always discuss. And you cover that in here. You hit it in the book. And I, I just think you're hitting a lot of these topics that, yeah, if you're in the health world, you've probably heard more about them. But if you're just the average person, this is not something that's really on your radar all the time. Right. Yeah. I think I like the hot topics are like, it's always protein, eat, eat more protein yeah. and eat less carbohydrate or, you know, what it's the macronutrients. And as you mentioned, calcium and sometimes iron comes up, but magnesium is, in, you know, gosh, I love magnesium because it does so many things. It's one of my favorite minerals because it's just, it's involved in so many chemical reactions, but it does, as you mentioned, um, help your body relax. So it can help you fall asleep. There is research supporting like the relaxation benefits, which can help you fall asleep more easily. Um, but also it just relaxes your muscles. It can help with digestion. It can help with um, mood. So there's just so many things. And there's it's so abundant at plant-based foods. And I think that's why um, it's like one of those nutrients you don't think about, but like more than half the population isn't getting enough magnesium. Mm -hmm. And it may be in part due to, because so many of uh, uh, in, at least in America, this, the standard American diet um, doesn't include a lot of nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables. So you're not getting a lot of magnesium. And that's probably why more than half of the people of our population isn't getting enough. Um, but just adding some nuts and seeds to your plate can help to add more magnesium. And the, and the great thing about nuts and seeds and leafy greens are just packed with magnesium um, is that you're getting, as you mentioned fiber, or you're also getting fiber on top of top of um, the nuts and any plant-based foods, but nuts, seeds, leafy greens, you're getting magnesium, you're getting fiber, and both of those and the protein in nuts and seeds can help you fall asleep more quickly and sleep more soundly. So 
you've got multiple nutrients in these plant-based foods, not just, um, that's one of the things I also emphasize in the book is, um, yes, it's important to look at key nutrients and making sure you're getting adequate amounts of all. So you just feel, you know, nutritionally complete and you're getting everything that you need, but also looking at the whole package. So when we talk about protein, for example, you know, so often we're thinking, um, at least from a consumer perspective, protein powder and, you know, I'm taking protein powder to get enough protein or I'm eating meat to get enough protein or, you know, beans have protein, which is great. Um, but looking at the whole package. So like when you're eating beans compared to meat in the beans, you're getting fiber, magnesium and protein in the meat, you're getting the protein, but you're not getting any fiber and you're getting saturated fat and you get, which can disrupt sleep. So you, you looking at food as a whole package and not one single nutrient, um, is so important. You mentioned the word macronutrients and it's just bringing into my head. I don't want to, you know, go too far off the rails here, but I keep seeing all these things on social media where people are talking about their macros and they're making meals. And this might drive you crazy if you see it too. Um, but they're making these meals. Like I'm trying to hit my macros. Let me just add a little nacho cheese on top. And I'm like, how is that? helpful. Like I, like I don't, I, I have not been able to wrap my head around what this means where like adding nacho cheese onto something is going to help you hit your goals for your new tech. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand these macros that I keep seeing about on social media. I don't know about the, the cheesy part. I haven't seen that, but the macro conversation. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Um, it's interesting. The trends that you see on social media, <laughs> it's really funny, but macros are definitely, I don't know how um, I start off the book with that because the conversation, I feel like we do need to shift the conversation a little bit away from macros and back to what I just mentioned, like just looking at the whole food as a package. Like what are you getting in the mm -hmm. whole food? You're going to get carbohydrate and fat and protein in many of these foods, but what else are you getting with them? I'm sure that nacho cheese, like, I don't know what that's <laughs> on top of it, but, um, but there are ways like, you know, to get, all of your nutrients and providing like a cheesy plant-based sauce. What's fun about plant-based foods is that, you know, you can make like a protein rich because there's, you know, such a concern about getting enough protein, which there doesn't need to be, but such a concern about getting enough protein on plant uh, with plant on a plant-based diet um, that you can like build a meal and add a cheesy plant-based sauce to it through like a cashew cheese, or you can use like a tahini based sauce. They both have protein or, you know, using nuts and seeds, you're, you're getting protein in a sauce. That's, I don't know what the nacho cheese is that they're referring to, but I'm guessing it's not like, you know, whole food based, whole plant-based food, nutritious sauce. So there are definitely ways to, if, folks are concerned about getting their macros and adding a sauce on top. You can do that in a very healthy way through plants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to be the first one to ever tell you this, but since you just talked about making, uh, you know, like a cashew cheese kind of thing, there's a lot of incredible things that you can make, but I think what was always difficult for me and why I fell off the plant-based thing for a little while here is sometimes it's really difficult to navigate getting the food prepared. At least that has been my experience. And again, I'm sure through your clients over the years, you've also heard people talk about that. It's a lot easier to have, you know, uh, some meat in the fridge or some chicken nuggets in the freezer or whatever than it is to break out all the plants and put together a meal with all those things. So I guess having heard that question before, that same before, what's your response to that when people say that? Absolutely. I think that's the number one question I get. Can you just make it for me? I'll eat it. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are meal kit 
delivery. There's wonderful meal kit services um, that offer lots of delicious plant-based options. So like if you absolutely don't want to step in the kitchen at all, you know, there, there is that option maybe a couple of days a week if you can afford it. And that's something that, you know, appeals to you. Um, but there are things in your pantry that you can just pull out very easily. And, you know, you don't have to be in the kitchen for hours and cook beans from scratch and grains from scratch. You can take shortcuts if you really just want to like open a can of beans. The point is just to eat the beans. So eat, you know, open a can of beans. And if you enjoy something like tacos, just look for whole grain tacos. So you are getting some fiber and it's not like an ultra processed whole grain tortilla, but like look for mostly, you know, like a as minimally processed tortilla. You can even use lettuce wraps or organic like corn tortillas um, and make a taco and load up the veggies. So beans and add some avocado, grab some salsa from the store and maybe some rice. I mean, you can get like free, you know, if you can make things from scratch and batch cook all day, great. Like spend an hour, it really doesn't take that long. If you have like an hour during the day, you can cook like one big batch of grains and one big batch of beans. If you wanted to go that route and you have them for the week, but there are shortcuts and there are prepackaged foods that you can, that are you know, pretty readily accessible between the beans and the whole grains that are ready to go. You just open up the package, heat and serve, grab some frozen vegetables. Frozen vegetables are just as good as fresh. Um, sometimes they could be more economical as well. Um, you can either cook them on the stovetop quickly or pop them in their microwave. It really, it's just about eating the plants. When whatever way, shape or form, like whatever is accessible to you, um, so what's local to you, what's accessible to you with the time that you have, um, but tacos are one great example that I think are easy to prepare because you can, you really can just open up a can of beans and then add whatever veggies that you have on hand and some salsa and avocado, but also pasta again, like, you know, getting some whole grain pasta or the legume pasta, and then adding, just thinking about adding some veggies wherever you can, like layering on vegetables. So you've got some you know, great tomato sauce, you've got tomatoes in there, add some broccoli to it or some spinach, some peppers, some onions, if you can. A uh, shortcut for peppers and onions, you can get the pre-cut. Um, if you have time to cut them, then, you know, chop them up. But, you know, just taking some of those steps um, to easily prepare them. Sauces, I mentioned um, just a little bit ago, are so easy to make. And I love plant-based sauces and dressings because most of the time they can take less than five minutes to make and they can elevate the flavor um, and the nutritional value of just about any meal. So just adding things like I mentioned, um, tahini and lemon juice and a little bit of garlic powder, like, and maybe add a little water to it. That takes less than five minutes to make. And you can steam up some vegetables and some rice and add some beans and throw a tahini sauce over top. And you have yourself a grain bowl in like a matter of minutes. Um, and then maybe add some nuts and seeds to it for some crunch and more flavor. So thinking about like, layering onto your foods, things that you can sprinkle on top of meals, nuts and seeds don't take any time to prepare, just add them on top, add some herbs on top, like um, if you like cilantro or some basil, they really elevate the flavor and the texture and the nutritional value of meals. Um, but yeah, but the other thing is, you know, if you do have a little bit of time, if you can set a time, like the one day for many people, it's the weekends when they're not working, you know, one hour a day and you set the grains to cook, um, and you set the beans to cook. My personal favorite meal, I don't love cooking during the week, to be honest. Like, you know, I, it's not my thing, but I do prepare something on Sundays so that I have it during the week. And I am always so, there, there are times that I don't, and I'm kicking myself. But, you know, the day, the weeks that I do, I'm like, God, I'm so glad I have this available. So, 
Um, you know, what my Sunday looks like is I'll have, I'll make a grain. It's typically like either rice. I like bulgur and buckwheat. I'll have it and I'll make that for the week. Um, I always have either like lentils or black beans or chickpeas on hand. And, you know, I have, I may have minutes during lunch that I will just throw the grain in a stovetop pan along with the beans. I might add some like cumin seed or mustard seed to it to give it a little bit of um, flavor initially, and then add some more spices and, and um, seasoning like onion or garlic and paprika. So just adding lots of spices adds nutrition too. And then whatever veggies I have on hand. So if I have got some spinach in there, I'll just grab a handful of spinach and throw it on top. And I've got my, you know, a cup or two of leafy greens in that meal. And, um, you know, stir fry, it takes a couple of minutes to heat it up. It's like a heat and serve meal. So my point is, you know, it takes a little time up front to prepare the grains and the beans or to have them available. But like, if you plan it out and you have some veggies on hand, pick your favorite top three to five vegetables, keep them in the fridge, wash them and cut them so they're ready to go. That way during the week, you can just throw it all together in minutes and it's ready to go and you have yourself a nutritious meal. I am glad that you mentioned the frozen uh, vegetables thing too, because I've noticed that a lot of stores are getting are getting better at giving you more options in that it's not just like, here's a bag of frozen broccoli. I, I don't know where, where you live, but I live in an area with a grocery store called Wegmans and they've got this great frozen, I just bought it, it's like a cauliflower uh, with black beans, like Mexican mix, like a cauliflower rice and Mexican mix. It's delicious and it's frozen. It was a couple bucks and I got like three, you know, as a side, it was three meals out of it. I was like, this is so perfect for me because I'm just lazy to go and make my own food. But this was right there and it's got a ton of great things in it. That's awesome. Yeah. Wegmans is a great example. I think they're so progressive and they're always finding new things or like curating new things. And it's nice to have it. I think you're right. Like before it was like the medley of like broccoli, carrot, and you know, one other vegetable, whatever it was. And it's like, all right, this is going to get boring after a while. But now there's, there's so many, I mean, you can get any vegetable frozen. Mm -hmm. I saw avocado frozen recently. I'm like, if it's frozen avocado. I don't love it. I don't love it. I know. I I think it's good for smoothies. Yes. I use it for smoothies. I won't use it for like plain eating. I can't, it just doesn't, it doesn't warm up the same way. It doesn't like defrost the same way. Yes, I agree. Some, yeah, are better fresh, but it was interesting to see. And like, you know, you can just get a variety of vegetables. And like you said, there are so many of them are seasoned. So all you need to do is heat and eat now Mm -hmm. and they taste delicious and throw a little bit of that plant-based sauce on top and and you'll be even more satisfied. But yeah, I think um, it just offers more opportunities for eating plant-based foods because, you know, everyone's so busy. And I understand like it does, especially when, you're not used to, you mentioned, you know, having meat, what you're used to, you know, grabbing meat out of the fridge and heating it up. Like it's a familiar meal to you. So breaking away from the familiar foods, cause you're in a routine, you know how to prepare them. Uh, meat still needs to be seasoned and cook, cook just like, you know, plant-based foods need to be seasoned and cook. But when you're, when it's unfamiliar to you, there's a learning curve mm-hmm. there. I think giving yourself a little bit of grace too, and knowing that you may not know all of the things in preparing plant-based foods overnight. In fact, it's a lifelong journey. I'm learning something new. I've been plant-based now for 10 years and every day I learn something new when I'm in the kitchen. And I think treating it that way, like going in with a mindset that you are going to learn maybe one new thing a day and it could be simple. Maybe you learn about a new food that you love. Maybe you try one new plant-based meal today. Maybe 
Uh, you learn about a new spice. I don't know. It could be something simple, but just know like every one of those simple little tips adds up to this like lifetime of habits at the end of the year. And that's going to continue the next year. You're always learning. So it's easy to get defeated right off the bat when you want to start incorporating more plants. She's like, I don't know what to cook. I don't know how to prepare these meals, but maybe invest in like one good cookbook and start there and highlight a couple of recipes or maybe take your very favorite meat and dairy based meal and find a plant-based version of it and just do that this week and then make that a part of your weekly rotation. So I think the most important thing is just to start with something simple that's doable and achievable so that you don't feel defeated and you can celebrate every one of those successes that may seem small but are really big um, and do that each week. And that way, you know, like I said, at the end of the year, you'll have just like all these habits that you've built that you can be so proud of. I love that advice right there at the end. That's perfect. Uh, the small the small successes are definitely things that we need to celebrate more instead of brushing by them. That's for sure. Uh, well, Nicole, this book is great. The Vegan Athlete's Nutrition Handbook, The Essential Guide for Plant-Based Performance. I have loved going through this. As I mentioned before, I think you cover a lot of things that uh, people may have heard of in passing, but they don't know how important and things like magnesium, as we talked about. Uh, there's so much in here. You've got the sample uh, meal plans in there for people so they can get an idea of the kind of things broken down by different ca uh, calorie groups if you're trying to eat a certain amount of calories. So you, you really give people an idea of what they should be looking for or maybe like a plan or a base to, to work for. And I just, I think you've done a great job with this. Nicole D'Andrea Russer, uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you today. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Big thank you to Nicole D'Andrea Russert for her time. Her book, The Vegan Athlete's Nutrition Handbook, The Essential Guide for Plant-Based Performance, is available now. You can find it wherever you get your books. You can also find out more about Nicole at purelyplanted.com, and you can find her on Instagram as well. And of course, to all of you, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.